my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So today, I am talking with you about four different ways to exit the cycle of love deprivation, which is one of our intimacy disorders that we talk about here at Black Girls Heal. Now, I have already recorded um, this episode, but I wanted to come back here at the beginning before you listen because I wanted to give some clear descriptors of what love deprivation looks like. I talk a lot about the cycles of love deprivation this episode. I talk a lot about uh, what it looks like as far as examples in the material sense and how we can be de- deprive ourselves from like the luxuries of life and the pleasures of life. I also talk about some of the ways that we can deprive ourselves from the intimacy that we desire in in our relationships with other people. And then, of course, you know, the four ways to get out of it. But even with me sharing that, I wanted to come back and talk about specific descriptors so that if this is a new phrase to you, if this has been the episode that you have been waiting on, so many of y'all, especially in the text community, when I polled y'all were like, and I was asking, what is it that you want to hear more about this topic along with another topic, which I'm not going to tell you because (laughs) I feel like if I tell you, y'all are going to be like, you know, scratching, like very, very excited to hear about it, but it's coming. It's totally coming. But this is definitely number one, women wanting to learn more about love deprivation, learning how to be connected to your self-worth and connected to your self-love. And so this is why we are starting this series. But because I talk so much about love addiction and love avoidance primarily in the other, in all the other episodes, and because many people may be new, we're going to talk about what are the different symptoms of it. All right. So here are some categories of love deprivation. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, 
By adding Cosamane products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes on your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Cosamane continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that aspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Cosamane believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Cosamane knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Love deprivation is also known as love anorexia. It is one of the terms that's used in the Sex and Love Addicts um, um, 12-step community. If you go to any meetings and they're talking about the different types of intimacy disorders, they'll talk about love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. If you're lucky, you uh, live in a city that's big enough to where there are specific meetings dedicated to just love avoidance or just love deprivation or love anorexia. But um, for the most part, you know, you kind of just have to read the pamphlets as you go if there's materials available and um, learn with the information that's there. As I've taught about this type of intimacy disorder, I changed the name to love deprivation so that people could actually hear the term and actually receive it because of some of the emotional connotation that does come with the word anorexia and a lot of the history that many of us have with uh, eating disorders. And so I wanted there to be more of a focus so that no one felt as if they could not move past what was coming up for them internally so that they can learn more about this this dynamic that might affect them. So there are three different categories that I want to talk about in describing love deprivation. The first one is you may struggle with love deprivation if you find that you have a lot of fears and hangups. So especially when it comes to relationships. So fear of intimacy, of connecting with other people, fear of being suffocated, losing yourself, fear of having really intense feelings. So you may suppress your feelings a lot. Fear of being visible or seen uh, just as yourself. Maybe if you fear your sexuality or fear of being attracted to other people, fear of starting a relationship or even sometimes exiting a relationship, right? Love deprivation is all about being in extreme restriction because of a, uh, a feeling of low self-worth and um, sometimes even self-loathing. And you are very much keenly aware of shame and negative, that negative self-worth, which is different than a lot of things I'm going to be describing right now, overlap with love avoidance and even love addiction. But the difference is for the most part, people who struggle with love deprivation are keenly aware of how much they do not like themselves or how much they wish that things were different. A lot of times people who are most mostly love addicted or mostly love avoidant, there are other ways that they may compensate and uh, may may actually have more self-esteem in some areas of their life and feel confident. And so it may take a while for someone to even realize that they may have these issues because they have other ways that they may self 
either self-medicate or that they actually excel in life. And so it takes them a while to actually figure out, oh, wait, these problems are not just temporary. Maybe they're connected to something deeper. But when you struggle with love deprivation, you, you see the problems and then you also think, I am the problem. The second category of, of symptoms to let you know that you may struggle with love deprivation is maybe you have a strong avoidance of intimacy. Uh, so just going a little bit deeper with that. So you may intellectualize your emotions or to help you either gain power over them or to push them away. You may have trouble finding a balance between wanting to you know, rejuvenate or have some time by yourself and knowing what is actually you isolating and doing that out of fear. You may have a lot of distancing strategies, so avoiding relationships, avoiding dating, even avoiding friendships, um, doing that in a way that you may do that by believing that you're better than people or um, saying that you're above the petty incidents and petty things that happen between people. And so that's your defense. And that's the way that you justify having that distance between people. Um, or the opposite extreme, feeling very less than, very, feeling very one down and avoiding all of those types of relationships because you feel like there's not really anyone who's going to like you and want to connect to you. And so you may avoid a company of other people and withdraw. Um, this all may also come with addictive and addictive behaviors, right? So um, overly isolating, which can be that fight or flight response, that numbing out is absolutely a coping mechanism that can have kind of an addictive quality to it. Fantasy addiction is very, very real. Living in your head, having a very, very vivid fantasy life that keeps you safe and makes you feel like you don't have to go out into the world. And I'm all for fantasy. I love an imagination. I love visualization. I love that that skill. It's actually a skill to create but it becomes problematic when it stops you from one, going out and getting the life that you want, two, that you have a problem that you're not actually getting the life that you want, and that fantasy life is not helping you feel more fulfilled. It's not making you feel more um, more at peace. It may give you comfort, but there's still that longing inside of you. And absolutely, I don't talk about this as much as I could or probably need to here on the podcast, but cross addictions are so common in all three of the intimacy disorders, but especially with love deprivation, because the thing with love deprivation is you're trying to convince yourself that you don't need connection, that you don't need um, to take care of yourself, that you can just live in these extreme constraints and do it so long and really just push it down one day if you repress enough and if you suppress enough that you won't actually want something more. But that, that doesn't happen, y'all. You cannot suppress your human needs for connection, for love, for attention, for intimacy, for sex, for sleep, for food, to look beautiful, to be treated as if you're beautiful. All those things are human desires. And if you're someone who is masculine presenting still for you to be seen as attractive, for you to be seen as handsome, these are all human needs. And so when we're not taking care of our human needs, they don't go away. They come out sideways. So we may develop cross addictions to help us self-soothe when we are living in that stream extreme deprivation. So whether or not those cross addictions may include food, working, of course, money, drugs, alcohol, hoarding, um, porn, masturbation, TV, internet, you know, running around, traveling, anything that is an excess that it feels like you, no matter what you do, there's never enough. 
There is never enough information. There's never enough access of something because you're trying to fill a hole that is, wasn't designed to fill. It was designed to give you pleasure, but it wasn't designed to heal your trauma. And it wasn't designed to fill that need for a real intimate, loving connection, right? And so you'll continue to go through those cycles, okay? Um, and yeah, so I'm going to stop there because I'm already <laughs> 10 minutes into the intro to the episode. And the, the this episode is already pretty lengthy. So um, go ahead grab a journal, grab a pen. Like I said, I'll be going through four ways to exit love deprivation with my love deprived ladies. This is going to be an episode that I'm going to be telling you it's time. Okay. So just know that that is how I'm going to be talking with you because as much as I will always, always, always validate your experience, fear is the underlying, um, factor and trait when it comes to love deprivation and why we stay stuck. And the more we listen to fear, the more we lose out on the actual things that we want. There, For you to move past fear, fear is going to have to become your North Star. You are going to have to redirect yourself to realize that anytime you feel fear, that's not your intuition telling you, okay, let's sit back and give it time and give it space. No, that is your nervous system. That is your trauma response saying, I'm scared of trying this and it failing. I'm scared of actually putting myself out there and not getting what I want. And it will trick you to thinking that you staying still is what's going to help you. But since you've been staying still for years, for years, and it's not getting better. So this episode is going to be very conversational within these four steps and pushing you. Also a heads up, I'm going to be talking about money, which is absolutely connected to love deprivation as well. And the importance of healing from your money trauma and looking at looking at your triggers around it and hopefully kind of making some space. Maybe maybe there's some other things you need to add to your budgeting to, to actually make you feel safe and secure when it comes to money. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in this episode. All right. That's it. I'm done for real. Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Love y'all. Hello. Hello. And welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So I hope as always that you're taking care of yourself and doing well. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about how to exit from one of the three types of intimacy disorders that we teach about here. So for those of you who are new here, who just clicked onto the podcast because you saw the name Black Girls Heal, what I teach about on this podcast is breaking the cycles of love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation, aka love anorexia. Um, Those may be newer labels to you. you. Your interest may be piqued and there are there are multiple episodes that talk about love addiction and love avoidance in detail. Um, episode 55, no, episode 55 is about healing circles. Episode five talks about the love addiction and love avoidance cycle. And, you know, you'll see love addiction and all of the different titles. Um, and we even have a framework called the Healed and Love Woman Framework, while, where I talk about going the transformation from going from the 
those three intimacy disorders to ones that are more balanced and bringing those all together to become a healed and loved woman. So for love addiction, we, we break cycles of love addiction to become more love balanced. For love avoidance, we work through that to become more love available. And then when it comes to love deprivation, again, aka love anorexia, we are seeking to fully encompass our love worthiness. Now, to be clear, we are already love worthy. We are already born intrinsically valuable. And but along the way, through trauma, through circumstance, through heartbreaks, through miseducation, through lack of access, um, through neglect, through, you know, again, just trauma, we start to doubt that we don't fully embrace it. And we start to create patterns um, indicative of not knowing our worth without believing it, maybe giving our power to other people, to circumstances, to to um, belief cycles, waiting for someone outside of us to affirm that we are good enough, that we are worthy enough. And, you know, having healthy relationships, having healthy connection, having life-giving transformative experiences that reaffirm that love worthiness is always a good thing. But when we struggle with things like love deprivation and low self-worth and low self-esteem, we typically are, we typically operate from a place where there's never enough of that type of affirmation that makes us feel good enough because we're so set on believing that we are lacking. Um, that things don't work out for us, that we are worthy of being abandoned and rejected versus being accepted and loved. And so we will stay in relationships. We will create relationships with people who are not worthy of our time and attention. Or in the case of love deprivation, what it really looks like is we will avoid connection to other people. We'll avoid even connection with ourselves and we'll live in deprivation from the things that really bring us joy because we fear that it won't be enough because we fear that it's not, we're not worthy of it. Or we start to give ourselves um, kind of the second, second helpings, the scraps. We don't treat ourselves in the ways that we either treat other people or that we would hope people would treat us because it's kind of like, well, what does it even matter? Um, this, is, this is good enough, you know, or I will just live my life without it. And we go so long in that depri- um, deprived state that we start to, it starts to affect our sense of wellness as far as our depression, maybe our anxiety, and of course, uh, our self-concept and our self-image. So for us to really step into our full and most developed selves, we have to be able to spot when we are living in deprivation, when we are not taking care of ourselves, when we are neglecting ourselves for in hopes that we can learn to get comfortable to not have access to to emotional nurturance, to physical nurturance, to even um, sexual nurturance, to taking care of our beauty, taking care of our body, right? And so exiting love deprivation, just like all the other ones, even though I don't talk about it as much, I mean, I feel like it kind of underlines all of this because we're talking about really feeling love worthy and feeling enough. But it is just as painful to exit out of as love addiction and love avoidance. When you're exiting out of love addiction, the problem with that is the trauma bonds that you are attached to, that you have that attach you to these unavailable people. So that that deep physical, mental, emotional pain that makes you feel as if if you let go of this, if you have to live without them, that you physically 
maybe even emotionally, will not be able to survive and make it. Breaking the cycle and the trauma bonds with those relationships and doing no contact or detoxing um, feels very dangerous to you, even though there is freedom on the other side. With love avoidance, when you're working through love avoidance, um, what is is just as painful to break that cycle because what that looks like is you opening up to people. That looks like you initiating. That looks like you letting people in, being vulnerable. It looks like you not running and cutting people off when it comes time to face conflicts, for you to not live in your head and make assumptions about what people mean and what they think because you 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 know more than they know what they're intending and you're so sensitive to hurt um, and betrayal because, again, real trauma has happened for you in the past, uh, but it blocks you from actually being available to real lasting love and connection. And so breaking out of that cycle and showing up and staying there when you feel the danger of intimacy and vulnerability coming at you is a very deep and intense um, cycle to break. With love deprivation, it is just as painful and hard because what that looks like is facing those deep internal feelings of shame, um, those those internalized beliefs of self-rejection. So you've been rejected by other people or experiences or family or trauma in the past. And so when it comes to love deprivation, most of the time you've internalized those beliefs as a coping mechanism, um, as safety, because now at least you're in control of it. Now you own it. And so to exit love deprivation looks like you actually treating yourself taking care of yourself, loving yourself. And that is painful because everything in you has created a whole life cycle that's built around neglect, denial, self-denial, um, minimizing yourself, taking a little bit of something, um, living in extreme frugality, living in hoarding, hoarding um, and sometimes even idolizing uh, this this martyrdom that you picked up that you are better or more spiritual or more good or more humble or less selfish and more giving because you don't treat yourself good right because you don't treat yourself well and you have rationalized and justified that so when it comes to actually looking at how you treat yourself it is painful to look at it's painful to change those cycles um because you have taught yourself how to not do that so and I think depending on where someone is with any of these intimacy disorders, it's very easy for you to say, okay, well, this one, I can understand why it is hard, but this one over there, it's not that serious. It's not that deep, but they're all very deep because of the tra trauma connection underneath all of them, right? These are all based on our deepest internal fears of, of the ways that our inner little girls were not taken care of, um, that we're not treated, that we're not adored, and that we as adult women have learned to to create patterns to, to survive. And so what we're seeking to do is no longer survive, but to thrive. And so with that said, today's episode I'm going to share four ways to exit love deprivation. There are actually seven methods that I teach in our Love Woman Foundations course. This is not our main um, coaching program. This is one of those self-paced courses that um, that are smaller than anyone can participate and join, um, join in at. And actually, in the month of May, we will be going through it together. For 30 days, I'll be leading all the women who have 
enrolled and who want to join us on that journey to overcoming love deprivation, we'll be doing that this May. But for this episode, I want to talk about four ways to exit love deprivation so that you can start this journey yourself. Okay. So the first thing that I want to share with you when it comes to exiting love deprivation is this is going to be very important, y'all. All these things are so important before I start. I just need to emphasize they are so important and they're going to sound so simple. They're going to sound so simple, but you ain't going to want to do it if you struggle with love deprivation. If you're the type of person who goes years and years without taking care of yourself, saying, well, I'm just going to focus on my kids for right now. Um, I'm just going to focus on my career and put friendships or relationships or whatever on the side. I am just going to cut out all relationships, period, because people stress me out or it doesn't work out anyways. There's a threshold that I have that I don't allow myself to move past. If any of those things look like you living in extreme restriction in any way, all the things I'm about to say are going to sound very matter of fact, but you're not going to want to do them because of the painful things that I just said before, but they are going to be of utmost importance. And so with that said, number one is you need to not wait until you feel like it. The first way for you to exit love deprivation is for you to not wait until you feel like it, which looks like not waiting until it's the right time, not waiting until you get your money right, not waiting until you know you finish your dissertation, not waiting until you, you get that promotion, not waiting until such and such leave school. Sister, there's never going to be a right time for you to take care of you because your, your belief and your habit of putting yourself last is ingrained. And you are always going to be able to find a justification and a reason why it's not the right time. The reason why whatever is in front of you, whatever you have access to, isn't the right thing for you to do. Whether or not it is because it's going to cost too much energy, it's going to cost too much time, it's going to cost too much money. For you to exit out of love deprivation, those are the three things you're used to not giving to yourself. You're used to not spending too much energy on you. You can spend all this energy on other people and other things. You're, you might even be super giving and the first person to step up and volunteer and ask for service is your love language. But when it comes time to spending time with you, just running a bubble bath just because, going to do something that's not related to volunteer work or to just working in general for a paycheck that's just about your pleasure, going to exercise just to be present in your body, meditating, you, you know, it's very common that people who struggle with love deprivation, especially when it comes to energy outputs or really anything in general, but I'm talking about energy right now. We seek to do things that look like hitting two, two birds with one stone. So I will go and exercise or I'll go and do this because my son has a game. So, you know, I need to get a walk in anyway. So that'll be my exercise for the time. It's not really about you. It's for somebody else. I'll go ahead and go to, I don't know, JCPenney or Macy's because they're having a sale to get a new dress, but not because I need a new dress, but because I know I have an event coming up and my old dress that I usually wear to all my events has a stain on it. So let me go ahead and get this and make sure that I get it on sale. And don't let you need anything else because you're only there for that sale, right? No matter if the rest of the clothes that you're wearing may also be old and out of style or not fit your body right, whether it's too big or whether it's too small, 
body image is so intertwined when it comes to love deprivation and how we hide ourselves or don't show up for ourselves and the shame that we may feel about ourselves and how we present or not present ourselves. And so clothing can just be one more way, one more mechanism that we use to not operate in our full love worthiness because you are a star. You are a star. Every woman listening to this, you are a star. You you are one of the billions of things that light the sky. And without you, the sky would not be as beautiful, my dear. And so because you're a star, you deserve to shine. You deserve to spotlight. You deserve to be front and center. You deserve all of the things. I say this every episode because I need you to understand that you deserve. And there is a disconnect that happens when people say these things to us that may stop us from believing it. And then if it does get past that threshold to where we may actually start to believe it, a lot of times the trauma will also stop us from completing the actions of what it actually looks like to pursue pleasure, to pursue fun, to pursue um, activity just for us, just for us. That will not make us say, okay, I have a whole weekend to myself. I know I could go and do something energetically fun, but let me just lay in bed all weekend or let me just stay inside or let me play it safe because underlying love deprivation is also this fear. It's not only just the fear of missing out, but it's the fear of what if I try and it still doesn't feel good? What if I actually go out past my fantasy, past my fantasy thought life and all the ways that I stay safe in my mind, all of my little safety bubbles that I've created up in my personal life. What I, what if I actually go out there and try to dance and I don't dance right or no one wants to dance with me? Or what if I go to that art class and I'm not as good as I used to be or someone um, makes fun of it or I can't get out on the canvas was actually in my mind. So let me just not try it at all. What if I go and try to explore and look around, but um, I stick out and I go to a place that there's not a lot of people who look like me or act like me? What if I try to do this thing, um, this cosplay or something that I've been wanting to do forever, but I'm too old. I've wait, I've missed my prime. And so I'm going to look weird. There's so many fears that stop us from shining. And so that's why you you cannot wait until you feel like it. You're never you are not going to feel like it. You are going to unlearn the trauma of this by sticking your toe in and seeing that the water is fine. Right now you're playing the floor is lava with what is actually just a, a cool a cool pond in front of you and you think if you stick your toe in this water, your toe is going to burn off and it's just going to sizzle up your leg. But really what is on the other side of that is this refreshing lake for you, right? That you can just get in and the water is fine. But you're like, no, let me examine it. Let me study it. Let me get enough life rafts. Let me go and prepare myself. But meanwhile, if you struggle with life, with love deprivation, you're not even going to get a life raft unless it's free, which goes into waiting till you have your money up. Love deprivation is the intimacy disorder that will have us putting ourselves on layaway our whole life. And of course, I'm talking about because there's I don't think there's any places that still do layaway, but I'm talking about metaphorical layaway, right? Like I'm talking about um, energetic layaway. Like we will always say, okay, 
when when I get this right, when this is enough, when I have this amount, and there's there's never enough. Meanwhile, we will drop X amount on everything else. But when it comes to our mental, our emotional, our spiritual health, there's a ceiling to it. And here's something to kind of consider when it comes to working through love deprivation. And of course, those are examples from um, mental, emotional, spiritual health, because that's the realm that I'm in. But I've already given lots of examples of things that are not in those realms. And it's very interesting how we can be very indulgent in some areas of our lives. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. But very restrictive in other areas, based on totally based on wherever our trauma is and whatever our, our work, wherever our work needs to be, right? Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. So you may spend a whole lot of money on career and professional development stuff, but when it comes to makeup, 
or um, taking care of your beauty, anything that is past drugstore level for some people, they refuse to. They they look at the price of anything in the stage of Beverly Hills and like, how how dare they? Like, I'm not paying $25 for brow gel. Meanwhile, they've dropped $2,000 on a certificate. But they're, again, going back to the body image stuff like that can be very um, intertwined with that. And of course, these examples are just for people who this connects to. But with that said, there are some people who hear me say that, hear me give those examples and say, well, I could totally see myself investing in myself, you know, using that buzzword, investing myself in buying, you know, a Fenty product or something else. But I'd be damned if I spend more than $2,000 on a certificate or something for my education. Meanwhile, you're a Sephora beauty insider with the, on the rogue level and you were just at the Sephora sale and you easily dropped multiple thousand dollars on makeup. But in the background, you're wishing that you could develop more in your education. You, you're wishing that you could push forward. You're wishing that you could move to different levels, but you're looking for places and you're looking for ways to get it on cheap or on the free or do you, you have a mental threshold on how something, how much something should cost. And what I'm trying to describe, which may not be as eloquent as it could be, what I'm trying to describe is that when it comes to love deprivation, it's often not about money. It's, it's more about the trauma connection, about what we fear, about what was withheld from us as little girls, what, or what was given too much emphasis on as little girls. And so we have some kind of belief system around how this area of our life is either not worth pursuing because it's too painful, because it's out of reach, because it's not fair, because other people have access to it, because people who help in this area are just taking advantage of us. You know, maybe you have, we have some beauty trauma where we were bullied or not accepted. So when it comes to investing in beauty or body image stuff, um, not only is the fear of us not reaching this place where we actually feel good enough there, but there may be some connection to the pain of people who ostracized us before or excluded us before is there. For time's sake, let's move out of those examples and talk about giving time and how we may restrict our time when it comes to, or we may wait until we have enough time, quote unquote, before we start working on this, when really we have as much time as we have for anything else. So, looking for time in your schedule to actually go to a social event. Let's say you've been living in social deprivation and you get to a place where you're thinking, wow, I really want to make friends and I really want to have more connection. And so you're waiting for the right moment and time to go. But meanwhile, somehow your schedule just keeps getting filled up with other obligations, with other events, with family things, because it's really hard for you to prioritize you putting the time there for yourself because you're not as aggressive around the boundaries of providing for you as you are for being available for work, for family, for other people in your life, for your kids, for whoever, instead of being there for yourself. Going back to the main point of this, y'all, we have to fully invest time, energy, and money-wise, whatever, whichever one of those three that's hard for you, whatever, whichever one that doesn't come easiest to you that you're quick to make excuses about. We have to invest it now because there's going to be another justification for the reason why we can't do it or why it's not the right time in the future.
Let me say this because I started to say it, but I kind of got off track as I was trying to explain the rest of the points when I was talking about looking for something that's free. When I was talking about looking for something that's free, that's not me knocking someone wanting to be intentional about the money that is going out and whether making sure that it's worth the investment for what they're trying to receive. When I was saying that, I'm talking about the energy around looking for excuses of why you should not make the next step because if it's not free, then I'm not doing it. Um, and that being just one more layer of a reason why you do not invest and move forward. For the same reason that I have literally seen people or even had the experience myself probably, if I, if I think about it, of getting access to something that someone gifted to you, you got a scholarship for, that it was free because it was from the generosity of someone wanting to be available to help and not doing anything with it, right? You you really, really thought in your head you wanted this thing and then you have access to it. But the same excuses that I said before, that you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, that it's too hard, that you need more support, it doesn't that prevents you from actually being able to fully engage in it. And when it comes to that, y'all, when it comes to when it comes to any type of place where all the barriers have been removed from you, that you have full access to take the next steps that you need to, and you're still not taking the next steps, that's when you have to look at yourself. Is this really a money issue? Is this really a time issue? Is this really an energy issue? Or is there a fear of success or a fear of failure that I'm working through right now that I got to look at? Is this really an ingrained pattern where I'm used to treating myself last? And so trying to treat myself first has all these implications that I'm not ready to look at. Which leads to the second thing that I want to share with you, which is being willing to rewrite your story, which is also very hard. This is another simple thing that is very, very hard. If part of your story is that to exit love deprivation to a place of just acting your love worthiness, if part of your trauma is saying anything that looks focuses on you is examples of you being selfish or you being indulgent or you being greedy or by you giving to yourself, you're taking from other people, you're going to have to rewrite that story altogether. That is absolute story that's built on codependence. That's absolute story that's built um, by being a parentified child, a parentified cousin, sibling, whatever, um, because you have learned to deny yourself to make space for other people. You have learned to be small. And if there's any part of you that has to step up and step out and shine bright and use your voice or disagree or show up for yourself, that is dangerous, that is painful, that's a betrayal to other people. You have not learned that you can have everything you want and that so can somebody else. That you having does not restrict the experience of somebody else. That you are not responsible for the happiness of somebody else that you're not responsible for anybody else's provision except for yourself and any other, you know, people you're legally bound to take care of because they're minors. You are responsible for them, right? But for you to take care of them does not mean that you have to live in self-neglect for yourself because those little people are watching how you take care of you and they're learning from you. Many of us, part of the reason why we are in love deprivation is because we have watched 
um, the women in our lives neglect themselves to take care of everybody else. And they put themselves last. And they they were celebrated for it or they felt celebrated. They um, That's how they gained esteem by looking to see how much they sacrifice for other people. And now as an adult woman, you're trying to learn how to just get to, to start. You're trying to learn how to come out of deficit, to come out of the negative, just to come into the black when it comes to energetic self-love, right? And so you neglecting yourself does no one any favors. Mama not feeling good about herself does no one any favors. You living in deep restriction of taking care of yourself until you get a certain number in the bank does not do you any good because you're living in self-neglect along the way. Here's a, for anyone who may have money trauma that relates to kind of like this hoarding energy, or maybe you're wondering if you may relate to it. If you're someone who says, okay, I can't do for myself until I have a certain amount of number. And this is not me talking about people who literally, you know, don't have food on the table. Okay. And you are trying to figure out where your next light bill is coming from. That's not who I'm talking to. Uh, but I'm talking to people who, even if that's not your experience, you have that same level of fear because money trauma is deep trauma, y'all. P- poverty trauma the the fear of going without, the fear of being left behind, the fear of not having goes really deep and it could affect anybody. It can affect people who always had a roof over their head and there was excess amount of money if there was still fear around money and fear of not being enough. And absolutely for those of us who may have grown up in trauma and we've come out of it. So on paper, we're, we're not in that space, but we feel as if we're in that space and we're always on guard. So if you relate to that, um, I would, or t- that type of energy, I just want you to consider if you haven't done this already, what number would you need in the bank for you to feel safe? What's that number? How big does it get? Go ahead and write it out. How much money do you need to feel safe? And for many of us, if once we start adding that number up, that number either doesn't exist or it's crazy big, Right? Because on that, on that list, you're trying to quantify how much you need to feel emotionally safe. So I need this amount so that I'm ne- I never have to worry about mortgage or rent again. I need this amount so I never have to worry about food. But this is how much medical emergencies cost. And this is how much cars cost. And this is how much X amount costs for, for clothes or, or for entertainment or for kids or for whatever else. And chances are, chances are, the amount of money that it's going to take for you to feel emotionally safe is astronomical or doesn't exist. So when it comes to that place, that this doesn't mean that you stop being financially responsible, but you start to incorporate other belief systems into the story. Maybe it's not that I have to have a certain amount of money, but maybe this is a trauma response. Maybe I'm in fight or flight mode and maybe... If there's no amount of money that's going to actually make me feel emotionally safe, maybe I need to hit at this a different way. Maybe I need to get some mental and emotional support around this so I stop living in this deep hypervigilance of the other shoe dropping. Because if you don't, you will reach a place where you are financially safe or financially successful or you're growing 
right? That things are not like they were a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. But it's so hard for you to see it, to experience it, to enjoy it, to take care of yourself, to give yourself a little bit something extra every once in a while, to actually be present in your everyday life because you're worried about the next recession or global warming or whatever else may be part of your um, your defense cycle right now. There, there, is no, there is a way to look at all of these real life things that are happening and still make place, still make decisions from wisdom and still make decisions from a place of wholeness and not from a place of survival. And many of us, our nervous systems are stuck in survival mode, survivor mode and we never get a day or a moment off. And so the second point is be willing to rewrite your story. I'm not telling you to live in delusion. I'm telling you to look at how have I constructed my story and is this serving me in all ways? Is this actually helping me be more peaceful in my life, be more present in my life? And if it's not, is there another way for me to construct this to where I can take the lessons and the values that I've learned to live by that does not stop me from actually be pres being present and enjoying all the things that I want and need to enjoy? So looking at your money trauma would be a really great step in doing this for sure. And money trauma can happen for any of us, no matter what our socioeconomic level is now or what it used to be, um, money is can have a very emotional tie to it, which is why um, people are very protective and reactive around it, not just because of what it is connected to as far as goods and services and um, utilities or whatever else, but also the meaning that was attached to money for us growing up and what's attached to it now. The power of it, the control of it, um, the availability of it, uh, the ways that it may or may not have been manipulated, um, whether or not we had access to it, but other people didn't, or guilt we may have around it, or vice versa, resentment that we may have because other people seem to always have access around it. If we see anybody selling anything or doing anything, then we feel triggered because we feel like they're taking from us. Or again, the opposite, feeling as if we don't have a right to show up when it comes to money and underselling, under earning, under not showing up as our full selves because we have fear that we are um, robbing other people or taking from them. Again, this money trauma stuff is so connected to our, self, our sense of self and identity. And later on, I'll probably do a series around money trauma. But for right now, that's what I wanted to drop for us here. The next step that I wanna share is for you to be honest about what it is that you want in order to exit love deprivation. I've been sharing a lot of examples around material things and experiences, but really love deprivation, like the other ones, is about your intimate connections with people and that inability or fear about being vulnerable with other people because you're deeply connected to that internal sense of rejection, that internal sense of fear, of self-loathing. And so you live in restriction because you are afraid relationships work won't work out or they're not available for you because you're unwanted, don't belong, any of those stories or anything related to that. So with number three being be honest, Oftentimes, like I shared before, we will we will spend most of our life if we if love deprivation is our is mostly our type, we'll spend most of our life rationalizing why it's better and why it's easier and more enjoyable 
or at least safer to live life solo dolo and to live in restriction to things. We will try to convince ourselves that we don't need fill in the blank. You know, anything that I just shared um, because we villainize pleasure or we're not, we're not co comfortable with it or we haven't had access to it because we have tried out to be connected to things and be connected to people and it hasn't worked out for us. And we've only been disappointed and we've only been heartbroken. And oftentimes when it comes to love deprivation, the meaning we've taken from it is that we haven't measured up, that we haven't been enough, that we haven't been skinny enough, that we haven't been thick enough, that we haven't been tall enough, that we haven't been short enough, that we haven't been funny enough, smart enough, um, you know, engaging enough, clever enough, quiet enough, loud enough. We haven't been enough in whatever area. And so um, we are afraid of being fully seen um, for fear of what people will see and that they will not like what they see because there's a part of us that don't like ourselves. Oftentimes we're also in deprivation from our sexuality. And so um, feeling like, okay, I can go years and years without having any kind of connection to sexual pleasure. I don't need it, which is different than someone who is asexual, who from a place of wholeness and and self-awareness, they don't have any desire or, con or desire for that type of connection. Versus someone who's living in love deprivation, you would love to be touched. You would love to have someone be connected to you, but the cost of it is so terrifying to you. When there's, when there's terror around it, when there's fear around it, when there is um, that high emotional charge around it, that's how you know that this is probably more trauma-based versus this is a healthy, balanced decision for you. When we're not honest with ourselves, that doesn't mean that we will go with living without it. And what it does mean is that we will look for other ways to compensate for what we are missing out on. So sometimes it does look like the binge purge cycle where we will live in deprivation from something for so long that when it comes, that we'll get to a place where we're tired of living without it. And then we'll try to get everything all at once and we'll try to live our life. But because we haven't really learned how to be in balance with it, different consequences and things will come from it or it won't be as enjoyable because we're hoping for this really magical experience once we start to go out and date and be connected to people. Once we start to open up and share our feelings with people, if we've been so restricted for so long, we're hoping and expecting for it to be this really safe and redeeming experience. Meanwhile, we're talking about our emotions, but people don't really know what to do with that. Not because they don't really want to hear our emotions, but because this may be new for them. They may not know if you're actually being truthful. They may not even realize if you're being vulnerable versus telling a story because they're so used to you withholding your emotions. But meanwhile, you internalize that and you feel it as rejection. You feel it as abandonment. You see it as reinforcement of the reason why you don't open up and share your emotions at all. And so you may go back and forth between over-restricting with your emotions and feelings and then trauma dumping or oversharing or over-communicating with people. And oftentimes, again, it's with people who are not available for us or we do it in such a way with someone who could be available that we aren't clear with what it is that we want from them, that we want validation, that we want feedback. And so they're just trying to show up for us and what they know how they do the wrong thing. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to share anymore. We go in, going back to sexuality, a lot of times, especially because again, these terms, I don't think I said this in this episode, I say it in all the other ones, but these terms um, were introduced to me from my time in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous uh, as someone who was in recovery in the 12-step program. And so these are the three different types of intimacy, intimacy disorders. They 
talk about, um, but it's called Love Anorexia in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Anyways, uh, when it comes to love addiction in that realm and sexual anorexia, it looks like going years and years of your life being in deprivation from your sexual needs or lying to yourself about your sexual needs. And then one day saying, you know what, I'm done. I want to be touched. I want to have experiences. And you may go and purge um, or binge and have lots and lots of sexual experiences, which sex is not bad. Sex is enjoyable and pleasurable, but you may connect with people just to have that connection, not really with people that you really are necessarily attracted to, people who are safe for you. And the experiences may not be those that leave you feeling fulfilled and happy and empowered and in control. You may feel the opposite of those things because again, you're doing it in that um, restriction overindulgence cycle. Okay. So what does all this mean about being honest with uh, honest about what you want? Instead of you trying to convince yourself that you're happy without the things that you haven't had access to, maybe it's time to try again with whatever is coming up for you. Maybe it's try it's time to try again to dream. Maybe it's time to try again to dream that maybe you can have the career or the um, pastime, the hobby that you've always wanted to do. Maybe it's time for you to go and pick up that instrument again. Maybe it's time for you to go to that art class, like I mentioned before. Maybe it's time for you to go back to school. Maybe it's time for you to try to apply for those jobs again. Maybe it's time for you to try that business again. Maybe it's time for you to date again. Maybe it's time for you to get help with dating instead of trying to do it on your own because it doesn't work out. Maybe it's time for you to try to find another therapist. Maybe it's time for you to actually try to talk to your friends. Maybe you need to find new friends and not go back to the old ones, but that you don't give up on social connection because the ones that you currently have are trashy. Maybe it's time for you to try again to reconnect with those family members instead of saying, well, I don't really need to be connected to family because I can do life on my own. Meanwhile, you're feeling low. Meanwhile, you're feeling sad. And this is why when I talk about, you know, making, making, having boundaries with people and making intentional decisions when it comes to relationships, that sometimes you may need to take a break from people, but it doesn't have to be forever. So maybe there was a time in your life when it comes to family deprivation or familial deprivation, familiar relationship deprivation, that you did need to take a break from talking to a parent or aunt or a sibling or whatever, or a cousin or whoever it may be. And for that season, it felt really good for you. And now you're at a place where you're like, okay, I still need to have my boundaries, but I don't want to be in no contact anymore. So what does it look like for me to live in the reality that maybe they're not available for me exactly how I want them to be, but I also know me not talking to them is making me more sad than peaceful right now. So what can I give and what do I need to have in place to make this happen? So it really is about being honest. Do you really want to glow up? Do you want to show up differently? Do you want to stand out? Are you tired of hiding, right? So you have to be honest to know what it is that you're moving towards. And then the last one that I will share, and I will share this quickly because I'm looking at the time and this was a longer episode than I anticipated for it to be, um, is to be patient with yourself. So you are going to be learning a set of skills, a set of communication, a set of acting, a way of showing up, um, a way of being seen that you have actively avoided for probably the majority of your life, um, or at least a good portion of your life. 
And so having access to support and tools and skills and experiences is not going to magically make it all turn on. You're going to learn, you're going to have to learn how to make it muscle memory and for how it's, how to make it a habit for you to think of yourself every day, to prioritize yourself and your schedule every day, to not immediately say no when it comes to investing yourself, whether or not it's time, money, or energy. You're going to have to practice doing that every day and there's going to be times that you miss out. There's going to be times that you that it slips your mind, that it's not even on your radar until later on. And you're like, oh, I probably should have said yes to that instead of no. I probably That probably was an opportunity for me and you're not going to realize that until after it's already passed and you start to feel the emotions related to that because now you're honest about the things that you want. Now you're honest that you want to be in a relationship, that you want friendships, that you want um, to have orgasms, that you want to whatever it is um, that's important to you. As you're being patient with yourself, you may notice that you start to have more emotions about your past and trauma. And this is just a bonus thing for you to know. Um, you may, what, with you living in restriction and deprivation for so long, that that's a sense of protection, not only from rejection, but when we actually consider the things that we didn't have access to or the things that we needed or the things that were neglected to us or restricted from us, and we start to process that, it is very common for a lot of anger to come up and sadness or rage to come up. And it could be about things that we feel like, I've already thought about this. Like I'm X age, I shouldn't be upset about this. I'm 50 years old, I'm 30 years old. Like we're friends now, they've passed away. I already talked to my therapist about this. Why am I getting upset about this again? Well, maybe because there was a part of that trauma you didn't allow yourself to grieve before and you didn't let yourself feel all of those emotions through. And so now those emotions are just now coming through. Now those emotions are here and they're present for you. And so now it's the time for you to process and work through those. Okay. So um, just know that that is part of it. Those feelings will not be there forever, but they do need to be here because they're already, they're already here. They're already running running the show in the background. You think by trying to numb out and not want anything that you're being safe, but really you're just putting your life on hold. Um, and like I said before, putting ourselves on layaway, putting our joy and our pleasure on layaway. Um, and we never pay it off until we actually just take that step. So I hope that this is a good introduction to getting the wheels turning on what it looks like to exit deprivation. Um, hopefully I hit in all the things that I share, hopefully I hit on somebody's scenario who may have been wondering about it. Um, there are so many different facets and types of deprivation that you can be connected to. Uh, so I try to do a scattershot here. Um, in the Love Woman's Foundation course, I do talk about each of the different types of deprivation and go into more depth about them and what it looks like and how it shows up for you and also exiting it. So what does it look like for us to live in our love worthiness? Um, the other different ways that we need to work through exiting love deprivation that I didn't talk about in this episode because we're already at 50 plus minutes, right? Um, and also what it looks like to engage in relationships as um, as a loved, love-worthy woman. Again, feeling love-worthy. You're already love-worthy, but actually knowing it and owning it. So um, again, we are going through it live together or I'm teaching women um, about it live in, um, in May. And so anyone who is enrolled before that time, May 2022, can participate with us during that um, time. And you're going to have bonus lessons and bonus challenges and bonus experiences in the community group that we have available for women who do our smaller self-paced courses, our healing circle. So 
that is it for that. Oh, if you are interested, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash the loved woman. Again, blackgirlsheal.org slash the loved woman, or you can um, find it by clicking on the menu options and clicking on self-paced courses. So, um, and right now during enrollment, you have the option to join in for our May loved woman challenge. So that's it y'all. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will be continuing our series in the next couple of weeks as well. And as always, please, please take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.